0: Because money is brought to you by the fine folks on Patreon. Not all of them, but the ones that have found our page, which is patreon.com slash because money and donated their hard-earned dollars toward us making this podcast, which is pretty slow. If you're interested, check out patreon.com slash because money and you know, maybe lend us to your support. Today we've got an awesome episode for you. We've got Shannon Lee Simmons joining us and to talk about new book, Worry-Free Money. We don't do this a lot. We don't often kind of have people on the circuits talking about their new thing. This book we loved so much. Just a game-changing book about money and the real way people deal with it she's been a financial planner for a long time she shares all kinds of crazy tips on it we're gonna recommend it like a billion times we'll link it below the episode all the things but if you want to hear us talk to her about why she started writing it and some of the things that came from it and just about her philosophy about money it's absolutely incredible so uh, join us in a little bit (laughs) so what do your
1: parents think about your fame and fortune and amazingness
2: Oh, okay, well, there is neither of those, um, <laughs> happening. So, so they don't think much. <laughs> um, um, my parents about the book, they're super proud. Um, they obviously, like, my mom is, um, a writer. She writes fiction, though. And, uh, so obviously having a daughter who got the writing bug and also decided to put pen to paper, aka fingers to keyboards, um, made her super excited and she's so proud. Like, at the, book launch i had laryngitis which was ter- terribly unfortunate and um and then so she actually ended up reading for me and in, in a way it actually worked out to be like the coolest part because said, the book is dedicated to her and uh she got to read it in front of like all these people that i like love it was it was it actually ended up being like i'm, I'm kind of glad i had laryngitis because then it was like this neat experience of my mom so it's silver lining oh
1: niagara falls holy moly
0: seriously that's <laughs> oh. super beautiful <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, did well, there you they, go. were you a kind of family? Like, did you as a family talk about money very much? Like, this, I mean, I don't
2: know how to That's ask. That's interesting. No, 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 no. I think it's, I, I, I smell what you said, and I know where you're going with that. And I think that it, I think it's actually one of the reasons I'm into personal finance. So, I grew up in a family business with, um, so like everyone worked in the family business, and my mom was also, uh, an artist. So money was this thing in our house that um, sometimes it was there and sometimes it was not. And so, Um, you know, at one point I was in, like, private school and there was, like, very fanciness. And then uh, we lost the business. And then cars were towed out of our driveway and, like, bankruptcy. And then I was not in private school with all the fancy things. Uh, I was young. But um, what I learned from that, and, like, my parents were really open and honest about it. And so then, you know, watching my parents kind of rebuild the business all throughout my, like, younger days. There were always conversations about like money and not from a stressful point of view, like there's not enough, there's not enough. It wasn't that. It was more like money comes and money goes, and you can't really super get attached to it. And there was, but always hope. And so I think like if you work hard, it'll work out. And I think that that kind of like shaped a lot of what uh, my views about money are is that like, you know, anything I've done, whether it's like leaving Bay Street to start new school or writing the book is not done specifically for money. And that's not like, I'm not saying I'm holier than now. I'm just saying like, there are, because I'm not attached to the outcome from a financial perspective. And I think that's because of my parents. And I think that's because they talked about money with me all the time when I was younger. And I knew that like, you can live with and without it. And that was a really cool thing that I didn't appreciate until I was much older
1: that's so okay the typical this is my very typical go to is like that's so amazing but it's clear it's super clear when you read the book that that is the the place that it's coming from in a way that it has you know how some things strike you when you're at a particular stage in life that may not strike other people in a very similar stage of life or with the same background like it just hit at the right time but i don't i don't feel like that's it with your book i actually feel like it shines through so clearly in a way that it does not shine through in other books, no matter what stage of life I read them in that like, look, yes, my, yes, we successful money. We want things to, we want all the columns to add up, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately that's in service of whatever it is that life means to you. And I, I, yeah. What I agree,
2: And I, I think that that's, it's a tool, right? It's a tool. Like, I mean, this is above, A certain amount of money that we all need to have to, like, you know, have a warm place to sleep and food on the table, right? So we're talking about the financial and the money part above that, you know, living wage and around that living wage. And um, I think that that is something that, with my clients and myself, um, is important. It's like it's a tool, and you use it for things. But as long as you're using it for things that are actually filling up your life, like you said, like better for you, and not necessarily because you think you're supposed to have these other things. because that retirement question I get all the time, like how much do I need for retirement? I'm sure you guys get it every day, um, and so that's so like that's so impossible to answer because everybody needs something so different. Somebody might need four million dollars to retire on, and somebody else might need four hundred thousand. You know, it's like it's all about. Um, each person individually. And so, like, if if the book or any t- sort of financial advice that we all give people helps people realize, like, hey, you know what, like, I feel good about the money and, like, you can't get attached to the outcome of that. And, like, I feel
0: successful and filled up with this, even though
2: that person needs that. That's, we've all done our job then Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, I think I, – I find that such an interesting – thing you're talking about your parents and about how that kind of conversation that they fostered this kind of conversation which is it feels rare at least I haven't heard a lot of stories of people kind of having family settings where it's like we have this open conversation about what's happening what's the good stuff the bad stuff not the fact that Mm -hmm. it's this and it's not life ending there's this hope running through it which is amazing but this that that's really and, and this comes up in your book all the time and it really feels like a driving factor that like we live in this world of uncertainty, you never know what you want, you never know what's gonna happen. One of the things you can control and one of the things that all tools kind of are facing are how do we have this conversation? Yeah. How do we talk yeah.
1: about this?
0: How do we talk about it in a sense of this happens? It doesn't mean you failed, it doesn't mean you succeeded, it doesn't mean, it means both of those things and neither of those <laughs> things, but that the conversation and figuring out a, a better way to have it, it has to be a, a key part of, of personal finance
2: oh my gosh if we all talked about money honestly i don't think i think mean, the world would be such a plans i don't think that there would be resentment about your own financials i don't think that there would be inadequacy i think that people wouldn't overspend um there's that movie what is it the invention of lying or something and mm. i feel like if everybody had one day where they couldn't lie about their finances like um everyone would just stick to their bucket <laughs> Like somebody else would be like oh you can't afford that either like let's not do it and so um i think that i think that the honesty is huge and especially with the kids and that's something that like i'm just, like um i will implement with my kids and i 100 like i said earlier i didn't appreciate that that was something that was just on the table for discussion when i was growing up um i didn't realize how rare that was until i was a bit older um and that and actually some of the ideas that i got to use with clients that then are then mentioned in the book. Like, here's what we have, and you get to decide. That actually came from my parents. It's not actually something that I have made up. So, for example, like, it was the back to school shopping during lean times in the house. I was like when nobody was getting those Tommy Hale figures. Uh, that was when, um, you know, my mom would be like, okay, you know, we have $200. I don't care how we spend it, but like, whatever you want to get for that $200 is what you have for back to school. So like, figure it out. And so it was like this opportunity that if I was like, okay, so I bought like a little mid sunshine shirt and blew half my budget almost on that. And I learned a super important lesson. But like, instead of her saying like, no, that's just expensive, You can't do it. I was like, okay, like you're going to live with the consequence of that decision. So I was able to still get something that I wanted. And I felt like really cool because I had that shirt and those were really hip at the time. Um, but then I also realized that then like, I didn't have much for anything else and my parents didn't but so it wasn't like oh you blew your budget on that and now i'll still have to pick up all these other stuff they're like no you get you get to choose and so i think that that was like such a cool thing that used to happen and then you know as things were as things normalized a little bit in my household um there was a little bit more given as we got older i've got a part-time job and all that stuff but like during those like pre-teen or tween years um that's when we were struggling financially the most. And it was like, it was really important. And I love that that happened. And I love that we talked about that. And with my friends, I'm so blunt about money. I am annoyingly blunt about money with my friends sometimes. And I think that, and I've talked about that before too, like, I shock them sometimes because, you know, they'll probably be like, oh, I got a new job. Like, how much are you making? Are they offering you a bonus? And I'm not being rude. I just want to know because I I ask questions about personal finance. I'm interested in, like, what that means and how we're all kind of – and, like, are they being ripped off? Should they ask for more? Do they need to salary negotiate? Like, all of those questions. And so now it's like my friends Will call me and tell me all of their financial gossip about their own life, which is great. Um, But also I think he – to the fact that none of us are, like when we make plans and stuff, like nobody had like a Las Vegas bachelorette party for a week um, because I think we all know how much everybody makes and we're all kind of open about that. So I think that there's no room for it within our group of girlfriends because everyone knows that not one of us can afford to do a trip like that.
1: Yeah. And to to be able to say then instead of the way that you describe that particular like going out the $80 dinner going out for your friend who you love, but you just you just didn't want to spend $80 on the dinner. The way that you talk around that is so perfect and so hard <laughs> at the same time yeah.
0: because what
1: you because ultimately it boils right down to I have the money or maybe not I mean it, it comes down to shame it sometimes because I, I could I
2: could, yeah, but like, I could do this. Something else. yeah correct right correct and that's hard that's hard and um and that's why I say like what's important when you're trying to broach that topic of money is you have to say like like a I, I i can't you have to learn to say no, but like the most important thing is to like say why you can't and and be vulnerable about it so so don't be flippant what i What I find with clients they 'll bail on stuff last minute when they don't want to spend money on something, so they 'll say yes, 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 and then they'll bail because they don't want to have that hard conversation like well that's more hurtful, I think, so what I usually say is like okay we 're going to have a conversation about this. Say what's not happening in your financial life because of this other decision. So, like, being able to say, like, hey, I can do this, but I'm really trying to save for, and at that point, I was saving for the wedding, and I was trying to save towards a down payment that I'm still trying to save towards. And so, you know, because, like, Toronto's back that way. Yeah. so, like, I, I, at the time, I was hopeful. And then... I'm trying to do this and I'm trying not to go into debt. And I had, you know, explaining like, this is, these are the things I'm trying to do. I've quit my job. I do not make as much money as you probably think that I do just because I'm in finance. And like, (laughs) so spending $80 a night for me is not an easy thing when I'm trying to do these other things. I love you, but is there something else that's possible? And I think that, so the key things that are happening there is like, three things one you're vulnerable about your own situation huge two telling the person like what's important that's being given up by overspending in your life right so this is like family vacations or retirement security or whatever like tell that person like this is what i'm afraid is not going to happen if i keep spending money and then the third thing is like always, always 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 ask what's possible because that puts it back on that person who potentially just got their feelings hurt a little bit um to say you know well what could we do instead and so you haven't decided that for them and like you know could we go to a different place can we try it on a cheaper night so like then you let that person kind of like take the reins and like answer for for you so that it's, you don't have to feel so guilty and that they don't feel so hurt and if we could all do that then i think we'd all be a lot happier and relieved more often
1: so by accident i am reading well i finished yours but at the same time overlapping i was reading worry free money by shannon lee simmons and daring greatly by Brené brown and I feel like they can be twin books. <laughs> like, I know, here's, here's
2: I, my sister, Brene. <laughs> I know. I, I actually have someone say, and this is not me being like, I'm not trying to be showy offy, but I, you're not the first person to say that. And I actually have had a few people say that it's like, wealthy barber and Daring Greatly had a baby. And I was like, well, that's the greatest freaking compliment I've ever heard in my entire life. And I like wanted to like get it on a t-shirt. <laughs> because
1: seriously, I have never, and I I read a lot of people's things. <laughs> what a dumb thing to say. I read a lot. I read what people write. And, and a lot of it is in the sphere of personal finance, investing, all that kind of stuff. And there is a real dearth of material written from a empathetic standpoint um, especially yeah. so i was just before you yeah. came on chris and i were talking about one of the sections that i hadn't had a chance to be really effusive about on twitter quote unquote yet yet um yet there's <laughs> <Yeah. 'Cause laughs> the section about you there was you know there's a bunch of times where the money the numbers just don't fit and but you're not going to tell and you, you even use the phrase and twice or three times in that section about like look i know some people might criticize me as a planner for not telling them we'll just sell your house and but seth or Seth, no, wait, Chris. My friend Chris over here, (laughs) we talk a lot about the the hardest, most irritating, hateful words in finance um, or in advice, which is just. So just do the thing. And there's so much that is wrapped up in just. It's actually usually a really hard thing. So to say, I am empathetic to your situation. I am not going to suggest something to you or recommend something to you that you clearly will not do. There is no point to that. So here, that's maybe optimal mathematically, but here's where we're going to sit because this is the optimal behaviorally and for you. And I... I just think that the people that get to sit in front of you with the attitude that you've displayed throughout the book, and of course, I kind of know you in person and really like you as well. I just think they're so lucky <laughs> to get to talk to somebody who isn't going to chastise them for not making the financially optimal choice every 100%. single time. I think it's amazing. And and it, it, well, it, thank you.
0: It's completely, you know, it, it, it's language that's missing. And it's also so silly that it's missing because it's how people actually make decisions and it's how people actually feel about their life. And and what you said before, which I'm just, it's still running around in my head. is just this idea that I'm not attached to the outcomes from a financial perspective. And I think that large swaths of people aren't, but the problem is, or this is an overgeneralization. I think a lot of people that end up in finance are more people that do judge success by a financial outcome. And that's fine. That's not a bad thing. That's, that's totally fine. But there's a disconnect between the communication between people that do and people that don't. And, and yeah. it's such a difficult thing because people are sitting across from you and then all of a sudden you and your, your language, you're using words like inadequacy mm. and using words like safe and happy. And that's how people think they don't think they want to know is $200,000 is 500 is a million going to make me safe and happy. Like, yeah, but people want to start from the numbers first because that's what they feel like they should do and everybody's all confused. And so like to start from like you're saying, building a system building a way of thinking and building a structure that's all based around how do you see when you're making a small or a big choice, if this is safe and this is happy. Those are the two words that I will I'll take them to my clients. I have already, and I take them like they're in my life, just kind of digging to my core. They'll be etched on <laughs> my bones at some. It's
1: <laughs> like, a planning masterclass. <laughs> it's
0: just, it's perfect. Those two words, like that's that's what financial planning should be.
2: So yeah, I agree. I and I, can I tell you like a borderline inappropriate story about how that idea kind of formulated yes. in my mind years can ago? Can you please? Yeah. Okay, I'm not sure this will make the podcast, so, I mean, here it is. Uh, so, again, so my mom is, like, my hero, obviously, and um, she was, like, a great mom, and there's so much wisdom that has been imparted on me that now, as an adult, I get to, like, kind of pick apart and be, like, man, that was cool. Um, so, when she was kind of giving me, like, the talk, the talk, if we're all on the same page, um, ludge, ludge, she pulled wink, me aside wink. and was, like okay, so like, you know, this is what's going, this is what's going to happen. This is going to come across your desk at some point, so to speak, right? And you need to, before you ever engage, you need to stop checking with your brain and say, am I sick? And am I happy? And if you are both, then you have my blessing. And I remember my first encounter, which was very lovely. I stopped in my head, and went, am I safe? Yeah. Am I happy? Yep. And it was so impactful that it's actually coming to other aspects of my life, because you can't just be one in so many ways in your life, right? And so that, those words, and that combination of safe and happy, that is what spurred me on within the financial planning, because it was, those two words for me were like, so impactful there that I also started using them in my own financial life and then I also started teaching as a client. So that's my mom's person based talk. And now it's in my personal finance book. <laughs> moms for the win. Moms for the win. Right? Moms for the win. It was so it was so empowering and also so like so secure too. Do you know what I mean? It was like that perfect mix and like that's why and it means something different to everyone else. And I think that, that Chris is your point, right? So like exactly safe and happier words. That are subjective to all of us. So my, so when I'm spending money, my version of happy and safe is different than yours. And I think that that a permission to just allow us to feel what we feel, and if we feel safe and happy, then go for it, um, is really is really clutch when it comes to when it comes to our money.
0: Completely. But I'm still
2: a millennial. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I sorry guess for we'll forgive you. No. <laughs>
0: I think I'm a millennial too. I'm definitely not a millennial. I don't think you are. No.
2: How old are you Chris? Or like what year were you born?
0: I know this uh, 85 and thank you for being uh, sensitive to the fact that I can't do math and I forget what age I am and immediately going to what year was I born because I was like I'm older than
2: you.
0: Am I? What am I?
2: Yeah you're a millennial. You're 32 right now or turning 32.
0: I yes that sounds about right. (laughs) Happy birthday. There you go. There you go. There you go. Look I'm a millennial. I can speak the language. I can do it.
2: I'll just go knit my granny sweater while we're at it. That's okay. <laughs> I probably just shame. A bunch of millennials are like shaking their head at me, being like, "She's still not that cool." So it's
0: yeah. Like- well, it's <laughs> it's really hard to. A big, we're a big generation. We have many things. And apparently, we don't believe just one thing. But that's a whole another something for another a whole time. there.
2: Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: It's. <laughs> it's, it's so
2: anyways, I'm sorry for bringing up birds and the bees inappropriately oh. on your uh, on your podcast. But there it is. Are
0: you kidding no. me? That's not we've, inappropriate we've got, at we've all. Done oh, worse. Amazing. And oh yeah, we've. <laughs> done. Far, far worse. And you very nicely skirted around kind of like coming across yeah, my desk. Sure did. It, was, it was well done. You're right. It's, it's the right kind of subjectivity it's kind of putting your fingers on the right subjectivity of, of one thing I wanted to ask you kind of going back one step when we were talking about conversation and talking about, you know, how much of a game changer just that increasing that one thing could be. Um, I, I feel at least in my interactions with people, that one of the big problems with that is that, and maybe it's a symptom of not having enough conversation, is just the fact that people can't always express that exact trade-off that you're talking about. People can't always express that thing that they want more. You know, the, the uncomfortability that kind of spikes up of, um, of, you know, I, I don't think I can do this, but I, I just don't like, or, or just defining kind of that idea of safe and happy, that, that exercise in itself, is something mm-hmm. and this is something your your book yet again goes through and kind of gives people tools for that but it's kind of yeah it's it's a difficult thing to start expressing yourself when you don't feel like you understand yourself um yeah which is hard
2: yeah and i feel like a lot of people haven't actually taken the time ever maybe to sit down and think about like what do i spend my money on that makes me
0: excited like
2: that makes me feel good yeah. and and really feel good not just in the moment, good. You know that long term versus versus short term piece, and I think totally. that like giving a, you know, giving yourself half an hour in the bath to like, of course, I just painted a picture of somebody reading my book in the bathtub with like candles and like probably shot a's on. But anyway, so like, so much like your, giving yourself five seconds to like think about yourself in a selfish way, in a wonderfully selfish way, and give yourself permission to be like, what about me? This is my money, and I work really hard for it. And what about me? And I think that that broke feeling that I talk about in the book all the time is like definitely perpetuated by the idea that, um, and I hear this, I hear clients say this all the time, like, none of my money is for me, right? It's always good. There's always something. There's always something. There's always something. And when you start, if you had caught yourself saying that line of there's always something, then you are probably fraught with unhappy spending in your life, right? Like you are probably just spending money for the wrong reasons in the wrong places. And that's why it feels broke because yes, you're able to spend money, but you're not spending it on anything that makes you excited. And and so there's no hope, right? There's no, there's no excitement. There's no hope. There's no optimism. um, And that's what makes us hate our financial lives. Right? So I feel like giving people the tool, um, hopefully will give them that like five seconds where they can just like give themselves permission to think, about their money for a second like how do you spend this but a little bit of this or a lot of this is for you so you can like kind of reclaim that space oh just even
1: the idea to go back to you know being a tween or something and like making your own decisions the idea that you went down if there's if there's just not enough to include Mm -hmm all the things for me and all the things for my husband and all the things for our kids. If, if I was, if I had agency in going through the list and saying, look, that one doesn't, that's not really for me. And, and Seth says this other one isn't really for me either. And we did that together. That's a totally different thing. It's a totally different feeling. Still, none of it's, I I don't get to go do a lot of stuff. That's just for me, but none of it's really for me still, but I made the choices for what part, like where that money gets allocated.
2: Exactly. So you, you feel like you get a say over it instead of it just being this, if there's always something and money just goes out the door.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because somebody else spent yeah. it on me.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, like, when I say spending on me, like for me, like getting something for my son makes me happy, even though it's not technically for me. You know what I mean? And so but it's like, yeah, you're right. Ben. It's that, it's that idea that like, I get a say, I get a say, and I've thought about this and I'm mindful of, and I hate, you know, mindful is a word that gets tossed around a lot. But I think that taking that minute to just like consciously think about how you're spending your money. And maybe yeah. that's why you feel like shit all the time. Cause you're spending it just in ways that don't feel good. So, so to me, the, the broad, um,
1: thread in this book that it's, it's just kind of complementary to other things I've been thinking about recently like the last five years is that idea of self reflection so not you know we know we know about IQ right emotional um, yeah. emotion and then we've got yeah. emotional intelligence and then there's reflective intelligence so and it is something that people need to grow so the idea that just anybody can sit down and say yes this kind of spinning makes me happy and this doesn't Chris to your point I mean some people need to come to that Skill over time. Before then, they can say, "Okay, yeah, that's right. That doesn't make me happy. I've reflected on it, and now I can go yeah. use that reflection to make change." So, um, yeah, this idea of reflecting on deeply navel gazing is what I call it. So deep navel gazing, not just about money though.
0: No, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think if we took out the word financial, obviously yeah. there's lots in your book that we wouldn't that wouldn't necessarily apply as easily. But I do. I that's why I love that you start with, "Look, we all have shit." And and money is the way that we spend money and the way we feel about our money is part. It's all tied up in that.
2: Yeah. And if, if yeah.
1: we can't recognize that, we can't move on to, you know, actually strategically doing things about the money because it's it's more about it's more about your shit than it is about the
0: money. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not about just sure. their shit. It's about our shit. Like everybody, yeah, everybody's shit. got the thing. It's not that all oh, only you do, and that's why you need that's help. Right. It's like no, 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 no. Everybody equals shit. So like, well, that's yeah. a. Bad formula let's take that out but you know <laughs> <laughs> <Rewind>. yeah
2: <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are swearing too <laughs> I, bring it on no I I um I love that too and I think that and I thought I not not fought but like I it was really important to me to keep that first part not like number free basically um because I wanted it to be something that people were like this is how I feel and I, I because if you can if you and I sometimes even in a, in a client meeting when you come in and you just start right off with the numbers it's like ah you know what I mean? if, if somebody is feeling like if they're feeling unmotivated and they're feeling like inadequate and they're and and they're co- constantly kind of coming up against that broke feeling it doesn't matter what plan I could put in front of them it's not going to go down because they're going to default to um that kind of like broke overspending behavior and not because they're incompetent and not because they're stupid and not because they're bad with money, but because that personal financial shit is just still so strong. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and, and a lot of our identities wrapped up in, in, in how we feel in our self worth and everything. So that's a hundred percent. And I still battle it every single day. And I think that's one of the, the main ideas too, but like, I, for sure, feel all of those things myself and every day every week I still have to like hey yo this is uh, making you feel this way okay Mm -hmm. Um, and I still still, like check myself and I follow my own inadequacy influence advice because it comes up every day Um, and just being able to recognize it though is part of the power in that and then I think that the other the other piece is like, I still, even my happy spending, it shifts from month to month or week to week. So that like nasal gazing and that, that like reflection piece is always got to be there because what's important to me today and makes me happy. And for you guys, same thing, like maybe six months from now, that's not the case. Right. So it's kind of like, we just have to know that it's like, I think I said this actually in the book, like, it's kind of like dating your money, right? You kind of keep Trying and seeing if it's a good fit until you finally find that good fit. And just like any other relationship, some days are going to be great, and some days you're going to have to work at it. You're going to be sleeping in different rooms, so like, it's going to come and go, <laughs> and that's that's normal and okay.
0: I I think one thing that I've been thinking about a lot um, just in the last two months because it's going through that whole end of the year slash new year making plans goals stuff, and yeah. um, and especially looking at and being like, okay, you know in the phase of really building a new business and trying to be like, okay, how does this work? You know, what do I want? All these kind of questions that you ask that spur reflection. But it was interesting because I was going through a kind of a planning session on that front. And, and, um, and I realized that I had in my head this idea that there was a thing that I was planning for. And once I got it, then this planning part would be done. Then this this reflecting part would be done. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, well, <laughs> well, that's silly. Like that's clearly not gonna happen. But how much is that parallel the same with how people think about finan- finances and honestly how we talk about finances? Yeah. You need a financial yeah. plan, period. And it's like, oh, when I have that, the right plan, I'll just follow the plan. And then and then so it takes all of the onus off of developing the skill of reflecting because it's not. I just need to reflect until I come up with the plan and then I have the plan and then I don't need to reflect. When in fact, plan the noun is not the thing. Plan the verb is the thing. And so if plan the verb becomes everything, then developing the skill of reflection becomes essential. And it's not just about, this is a period of reflection in my life. It's no, I need to make time for reflection in my life constantly because my whole entire freaking life is a period of reflection.
2: Damn it. Yeah. It's not like every day is eat pray love over here, guys. It's an everyday <laughs> thing. It's an everyday thing.
0: There's lots of I love that. in eat, pray love. I, I love no, good. I
2: love the movie and the book. Um but like we can't all reflect in Indonesia, right? So like yeah, 100%. we have to we we have to figure it out and I I, I don't think I've ever actually said what you just like I don't think I've ever actually thought of it like that and I, I think that it's so true um is that it's like the verb right and yeah. and that the plan is not to be all end all it's going to shift and change and that is super normal
0: yeah oh god it's so good we're so good <laughs> Well, and the fact that what I love and and why, you know, in our, when we were kind of talking about you before, we talked about, I talked about how much I'm going to unabashedly steal from this book to complete my practice, <laughs> <Yeah>. just because <laughs> there is so much plan the verb in it. There is so much yeah. teaching people to say, this is your tool, go back to it and plan with it. You know, the great thing about yeah. the hard cap system is that you can take a decision there and change the numbers when your life alters slightly. And, and I love, like, you can go to the point in the last part of the book where you're like, okay, this is the kind of change that is good to absorb. Here are my kind of, like, boundaries for saying, like, this is a lot of change. And generally, I think that that's pretty dangerous. That I don't think is safe. Yeah. This amount, you know, you can do stuff in your system because, and, and giving people the ability not only to have a thing that they can follow step by step, which is really useful, but to follow step by step and then go back and follow the steps again when things change and not have to, that's where it feels like, uh, sometimes I feel like our industry and many industries are not interested in solving problems, we're interested in mm. treating problems. And um, that's maybe another conversation for another time too, but it's it, I feel, and one of the reasons I get so excited and, and we're talking about how this is really what I think financial planning is and what I connect to the most is the fact that it, this is this feels like a real attempt to try to cure. And maybe a problem that's uncurable, but not just, let's get you through to the next treatment. Let's get you through to the next treatment. Yeah. But to be like, let's try to make it marketably better and maybe move towards less need for the business. <laughs>
2: yeah, I uh, I would honestly love if everybody who you know read the book or came to see me or one of you guys i would be like wow that that is literally these are the tools that i need to like make decisions and help myself throughout and all that we become are just people to check in along the way right and it's not like because the I think there's nothing more heartbreaking for everyone, including like us as we, the planner um, as you know, if somebody has come back after the plan um, and things are worse and they feel like a failure yeah. and we feel like a failure yeah. and, and everyone feels like a failure. And so, and I think that there's nothing more heartbreaking than that. And um, I mean, obviously like uh, there have been that that's happened to me and I think that and I actually talked about that that's like the Sam and Danny chapters, the yeah. downsizers. Yeah. we just we just like could not, we couldn't no matter what I did, it just wasn't it wasn't real. Every time what they needed to do was so freaking unrealistic for how they lived their like for what they wanted out of life. Um I tried and tried and tried to within them keeping their house and and they kept coming back with more and more debt and it was just like it's it, like i couldn't we couldn't plan our way out of it do you know what i mean like we couldn't we couldn't get out and um, and it was just so unrealistic and i think that is so heartbreaking and that's when sometimes those major shifts need to happen Uh, but i would love it if like um you know that kind of failure was something for everybody that was few and far between right like only in extreme cases are we in situations where that's kind of happening, right? Yeah. Uh, because if people have the tools to kind of navigate daily life in a way that makes financial sense and also, like, doesn't feel like all they do is budget all the time um, and, like, they feel that constant fear and scarcity mode, uh, then when we do see clients, they should be moving forward and positive. And, yeah, like I said, like, we're just a check-in to make sure that, like, yes, you're on the tra- right track. Yes, validating your assumptions. Yes, we're doing, like, that, to me, is like would be phenomenal. Yeah. Look at
1: that! We have solved
2: it. We solved it, guys. That's it. Everything's done. Industry shift now.
0: Industry. I can hear it. I can hear it shifting.
2: That's why it's such a in Toronto. The winds of change. The winds of (laughs) (laughs) change. Started here, folks. Started here.
0: Oh man, market. Yeah, I. The one other kind of question that I had bouncing around in my head, and you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know it. In the in, in light of kind of the industry changing sandy and i 've talked about this a bunch, but yeah. in kind of the, the world of of um, conversation and kind of the need for open conversation um, and and the strength of that i've always one of the things that I constantly trying to think about is what that balance is from a planner perspective and kind of yeah. showing vulnerability telling the stories of your own shit and your own life and your own stuff and still, and balancing that kind of, what is the responsibility and kind of what, Mm. what what are your thoughts on kind of, kind of, I, I am fairly allergic to the word expert, but we'll just say like experts within the field um, who, how can, because how can, I don't know. I, I think that there's a question in there somewhere and I just can't like put it to a, a fine point but um
1: is it know. about being vulnerable with your own stuff is that what you're about,
0: about? yeah I, I guess it's about being openly vulnerable about your own kind of this thing that, that mm-hmm. there's the struggles that that we're facing all the time and, and sandy and john and i constantly kind of come up on conversations with even within this podcast format where we're like we don't like we st- <laughs> if you're talking about a thing we're like i know how to talk to somebody else about this but at the same time we're all so struggling with it and so these things are yeah. happening at the same time and i feel like it's so important that people are aware of that but it's really difficult to me to express that that the two things are separate just because there are giant questions that I'm trying to figure out in my own life and I would like you to be a part of that and at the same time there's still value in me getting to look at yours and having it's balancing like this still being seen as a as a I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have started asking. As, I, I know, no, no,
2: I know exactly. I get it. I, I, I think I get what you're saying. It's like the news I say now, the new kind of concept. I, so I, I hmm, that IKEA story was a hot topic of debate as to whether or not it should go in the book because in the first opening chapter, I talk about how I can't afford a damn couch and what kind of personal finance planner who owns her own business can't afford an effing couch. You basically just, I basically just told every reader who doesn't know me and who isn't like a super Shannon fan, so somebody random who picks up the book, Zero that people. I don't make a lot of money, right? That's what I just said. Yeah. And, and so if you're someone who's picked up a personal finance book and you want solutions on how to build wealth and get rich, and you read that as the first story in the book, you're going to be like, why do I listen to this thing? And so that was scary and a huge piece of debate. And I was like, no, I want it in there because it is so real. And also, I don't care if somebody thinks that they shouldn't listen to me because I don't make so much money. Like, I don't care. I'm going to put it in. And so my editor was like so supportive and amazing. But, like, it was definitely something that was, like, we, we talked about it a lot because of that exact problem that you're, that you're talking about, Chris, is, like, how does the expert share vulnerable moments in their own financial life and still be considered the expert? It's like the nutritionist who is caught eating McDonald's, right, like how do you how do you navigate that? Um, and I think that honestly, everyone's human and I think that it's all just fear that someone's gonna find, it's like we have our own, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, imposter syndrome, right? So when we admit, that we also are dealing with that stuff. We're afraid that someone's going to point our, their finger at us and say, "Oh my God, well you don't know what you're talking about." When like, yeah, super do. I'm just a human being. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a human, and I think that I think that everybody just needs to chill. And I know that that sounds really like flippant, but I just mean like leading by example. I think that's the number one key. And I think in our industry, if we want people to do all the things that we just talked about, which is like share more talk more deal with their personal shit more then we need to lead by example and say hey I can help you here and why and I think that in fact sharing your own personal struggle might even make it more relatable and you might even find that people are I have found this but they're like oh you get me because you've been there right like you're not you're not in some ivory tower or whatever you want to call it right and so hopefully that's the thing and anyone that would I came to the conclusion with the Ikea story that anyone who would shut the book is not a person that should read this book anyway, because it's really not going to yeah. give them what they want, yeah. right? Like, if, if they're looking for a story, a book, that's going to give them seven ways to get rich by the time they're 40, they're going to hate this book. So that's actually what we landed on, which is, like, it's actually a really good, um, like, what's the word like a bouncer or whatever the word for like you shouldn't read the rest of this book if you're put off by this ikea story and so that's that's why we ended up keeping it in do you and to be
1: like to go back to Brene brown in daring greatly there's that whole chapter about like okay so she is studying vulnerability and shame how vulnerable should she be to her audience well not 100% invulnerable but so she her rules for that are she has to have worked through it already so like your like the ikea story you what has come out of that, it's not that you're now perfect, but you know, no. you've worked through your issues related to that. That's the whole point of that story is this is how I work through those issues. Um, and yeah. so it's not like, you know, what's an example of something? Oh, I can't even think of something. I'm sure I could if I had a little bit more time, but not something that you're actively still no. in the middle of all the angst about, yeah. but something right. that you've been able to, you've had time to go through it and reflect on it. And come out the other side that's all that i think to me is free game and sh- i mean i'm
2: queen too much information but <laughs> false no i agree okay. and and i think that I, and sharing that is just so important that people are like been there you've been there and now you yeah. can empathize with me right yeah well because the expectation is
1: or that's all that was always my expectation is that if i if i hand over all this information about myself about the life that I want, and for me, the markers of success, which are not the same as lots of people's, um, that person across the desk, the whole industry is designed in a way to be intimidating and smooth and professional and amazing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the work is that. It just means that I feel like garbage when I open up my yeah. box of receipts and I've overspent on something or whatever. And that's the, People yeah. come to us in a creeping kind of guilty way a lot if they yeah. don't know us. And that's the first thing that I end up having to do with clients is say like, look, you, you can't, you're not allowed to be ashamed of any of this. Like it's gone and now we yeah. to do something else. Right.
2: Okay. Right. And, and I often say to people, like, gosh, I don't even know if I said this in the book, um, but this is something that I, I find on repeat. I, I could have like one of those little voice recorder things just like press play to save my vocal cords. I, I literally, the amount of times that I need to say um, something like what happened even five minutes ago, that's in the past and everything that happens five years from now you are in control of so like yeah. let it go whatever it is let it go because you cannot it literally doesn't matter anymore because it is it, i hate the it is what it is but it kind of is what it is and so that's what that chapter on financial regret is really about is like i also feel like people's shame and guilt and frustration are about things that they have done and like it's like that color is the entire financial future for them. And so if they can just be like, it doesn't matter. Like it is, it, it, it happened. And now all we do is just move forward and we are in control of it. Like just, so just because last year you overspent on travel and you're super ashamed about it, doesn't mean you're going to do it again this year. It's not indicative of future performance. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you don't need to do that. And so and that's like, a. it sounds obvious, right? Like that sounds like common sense, but sometimes Saying it out loud, it's like, you're right. Like, I am in the driver's seat going forward. And just because those things happened before does not mean that I'm going to do it again. And what I usually find is that whatever has happened in the past, it's like, they just think they're bad with money. That's really what it is. They think they're bad with money. And so they use all of that stuff as proof. Um, of that story for them themselves, and then it kind of like opts them out of being able to have to get it together, get their shit financially together, because they're like, oh, well, I don't have to try hard at my finances because I'm bad at it. I'm bad at it because of X, Y, Z, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I never like I'm just not that person. I'll just never be that kind of person.
2: I'll never be that person exactly. <laughs> and then and then it's just easier to give up. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's good. Okay, we don't ever do this. This is not a thing. We we don't. We just don't do this ever, but I categorically, and I'm just gonna draw the boys in with me because um, I think they agree with me. This is the, I'm not blowing smoke. This book is something I think I want everybody to read. I just, I can't, if somebody said, well, who should read this book? It automatically is everyone. I've never come across an advice book that this that is so fantastic and so universal so i wow. think everybody needs to buy worry free money by shannon lee simmons and that's not something that we do lightly around
0: <laughs> no 100 percent work. completely like, allergic we're, to like making it. me
1: a bit for clam yeah well because we like it. no <laughs> <laughs> no
0: it's, Thank it's you. everything sandy said is 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 completely true it's such a it it's it, You'll just—it makes you think at every page. It just—and yet again, this is the stupid thing where I start to talk in—in in like reviews, and I'm like, no, that's a thing I've read that is actually true. And why did? oh Really, really great. And it—it it was one of those books that not only gave me so much inspiration with how to work with people, but it immediately wanted me, uh, want, uh, made me want to incorporate a ton of these things into my own finances true. systems that I've had for a long time. And I was just like, no, that's such a simpler, easy way a clear way so it's to to deal with it and to kind of deal with it on a day-to-day level so it's it really is it's just it's it's a wonderful book
2: thank you You're the best. i'm so flattered and touched and um not to sound trite like honor that you say that like it's a uh, this book has my whole heart i don't know if they ask me to write a second one i don't even know what i'll say because everything i've ever wanted to say. <laughs> and so i i'm um it's very nice to hear that kind of feedback because you know it's Speaking of being vulnerable, you kind of put it all out there, right? And then you're like, well, there's my other child. And I hope that someone doesn't hate it. And so so thank you very much. So thank you guys for your support. It's so great. Let's all cry together right now. Let's all cry together. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's all we've got for you today. If you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a really good rating. That really helps people find us. That would be awesome. And if you loved what you heard, why not check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash becausemoney, and lend us a little support so we can keep doing what we're doing. I am Chris Entz, and you can find me over at ragstoreasonable.com. I'd like to thank my partners in crime, Sandy Martin, who you can find at Spring Financial Planning, springplans.ca, and John Robertson, who you can find Value It's Simple or his blog, Blessed by the Potato, which is holypotato.net.